You're listening to Igniting Imagination, a podcast to spark the spirit within you from Wesleyan Impact Partners. Discover how you can join us in a spirit-led movement to bring about human flourishing grounded in love, generosity, and belonging by visiting ignitingimagination.org. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Igniting Imagination. I'm your host, Lisa Greenwood. In this season, we're exploring the theme of sanctifying friendship, what it is, why it matters, and how we can cultivate it in our lives and in the life of the church. Today's guests are all in with the church. They are two of my dear friends who also happen to be bishops in the United Methodist Church, Bishop Laura Merrill and Bishop Janice Riggle-Huey. I'm joining with them in the conversation today as the three of us explore what has been meaningful about our friendship with each other and how our friendship impacts our leadership for the better and why focusing on friendship is key for the church's thriving now and into the future. Their bios and all the information about this season, guests, and more are on our website, ignitingimagination.org. Finally, here's a poem by Morgan Harper Nichols that pulls on themes you'll hear in our conversation today with Bishop Merrill and Bishop Huey. To a woman telling a story to her friend on a morning walk. You may not remember everything about this day, but in the days after this one, you may see this as a blessed reminder of having this space to walk it out, talk it through, side by side and not alone. Because not long ago, you felt unseen. The world was big, you were small. And billowing wind, you were lost in it all. But now you are here, and you know at least one who on one day found one moment to walk and listen in candid conversations in faithful morning light. A blessed reminder of having this space because sometimes you just need to walk it out, talk it through, side by side, and not alone. Thanks for joining us today. Here's my conversation with Bishops Merrill and Huey. Enjoy. It is so fun today to have two of my very dear friends joining me on the podcast, and they both happen to be bishops in the United Methodist Church. But let me invite each of them to say hi. Bishop Huey, welcome. So glad you're here. Oh, it is great to be here, and thanks for providing a conversation with um, two of my favorite people, both you and Laura. Awesome, awesome. Bishop Merrill, what a gift to get to be with you. Thank you for being here. Oh, I'm so grateful for this invitation, and I'll just echo this chance to to be with the two of you is a is a delight this afternoon. Thank you. So, quick note for our listeners that this is going to be a little different. Usually, I'm kind of the interviewer and the guide for a conversation with, um, in this series, it's been two friends. But this time, I invited two of my good friends to be in the conversation. So I get to be part of the conversation as well. So Laura and Janice, I'm just delighted that we get to spend time together. And I wish we had a cup of tea and we were all sitting in the same room and we were 
talking about what's on our minds and what's hurting our hearts and what's keeping us up at night. And, um, and so let's do a little glimpse of that with our virtual cup of tea as we spend some time together. But let's back up a little bit. And I would love to hear from you two how you met and then we'll kind of share a little bit about how I met you and those sorts of things and so Janice and Laura how did you two meet? Mm -hmm. You go ahead. All right so I guess I'll (laughs) start on here and 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 um, I'll say that part of what you've done Lisa is pick up generations here Um, because um, when I met Laura Merrill for the first time, she was 11 years old. Uh, and Bob and I were had just been appointed to um, uh, St. Mark United Methodist Church, which was pastored um, by Laura's dad, Chuck. And um, so, and we were there for six years. So mm-hmm. there was a long period of time in which we, um, we were a part of Laura's growing up and quite frankly with the congregation's help we grew up too i mean that was that was my third year in ministry and we are all kind of learning our way through that and you know it was some amazing it was an amazing time in the church um and in the world and and in our lives I mean so both of our children were born there and no one in the i mean so laura i got to make you get to make the newspaper where you are these days i made the newspaper because then that now we're back in the 70s because um i was a pregnant clergy woman and i had a baby um that <laughs> wow. think yeah. how different right. think how how different we are now, um, but it was it was quite the quite the day. I could say more, but you go in. You, yeah. About I mean, me. I I think you're right that that this interesting, you know, this the way that our relationship started when I was a kid, and you were my pastor, and and honestly, my parents. The reason you followed my dad is because my parents were divorced in in uh, in seventy two seventy three. Uh, remarried, and and so then you know my dad moved on to another appointment, and and you and Bob followed, and um, and so it was a difficult time for me as a kid. Um, mm-hmm. I was, you know, I, moving into a, a time of a lot of emotional uh, strain as a, as a kid, the the eldest of these divorced parents, and the pain of that separation, and all of that. And what did that mean? And um, I think different ones and different siblings in my family dealt with the church in different ways, certainly as they got older. But for me, the church was this place of refuge and, and acceptance and affirmation. And y'all were such an amazing big part of that. And, yeah. and so I remember, uh, A, you know, the, the square play pens that would kind of <laughs> fold up like an accordion kind of. And so you had one of those in the church office. And I tell people now, I'm like, I don't know how many little girls across the United States saw a United Methodist woman clergy person with a playpen in the church office in 1976 or whatever year that was. Mm-hmm. But I did. I mm-hmm. thought that was a thing that I could do. I never, I never knew I couldn't do it. And so um, I saw those things. I heard people saying the word bishop in conjunction with your name in the 70s. That mm-hmm. church was saying that then. Okay, I wow. remember hearing it. 
Um, 20 more years. And then, but. <laughs> right, exactly. It did. It did. Yeah. And, and I forget that it was your third year in ministry. But then the other thing is just Bob was such a, such a pastor to me. And he kind of ran the youth stuff, especially once I got into youth age and just such a, such a dear um, pastoral presence for me. And, and the two of you were just, you know, golly, what a, what a dynamic duo um, taught me confirmation, caught, taught me all kinds of things. And, and so, yeah, but then the point of that is for that to be the initial part of this way, this relationship started and then to have, as I've gotten older and become a clergy person and, and, you know, now to have that develop into friendship is just this remarkable blessing. Uh, such, a, such a joy, such a joy. So grateful. Yeah. 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 And, and one of the great, wonderful things about our friendship, especially as the years have gone by, is that it has um, it has lots of depth and breadth to it. And what I mean by that is my um, ordination certificate, the calligraphy that is written on there, um, is from uh, the person who did that is Laura's grandfather, and who's a Methodist pastor in the conference, and who did these for every single person. I always knew that was special. It I, I always had it hanging in my office, and I always know, knew that Bruno did did this calligraphy and as the years went by and he's part of the you know the saints in heaven um you know there's a there's a layer um that's there that never goes away um no question and, and um and in a you know a strange and so um, our younger son died in an in an accident when he was thirteen, and you know if you're the pastor, I mean, where do you turn? And I was a district superintendent at the time, and of course we turned to Laura's dad, Chuck Merrill, and that's who we both called as we were dealing, and and that's that's. I mean, it, these are bonds that just kept drawing all of us closer um, and closer. And later absolutely. on, yeah, and absolutely. Well, and, and you're, you know, my grandfather, that's on my mother's side. And then you also served my grandmother's family's church, you know. So that whole line of, of, of this long German heritage up there in the hill country of Texas and <laughs> Janice and Bob were the pastors to those people. I mean, it's just, you can't, you cannot make this stuff up. The, the, the layers <laughs> of connectedness uh, that generationally do. Yeah. It, it's, it's just a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. And, and we've been, the two of us, I mean, there've been others who've been blessed by this, especially Bob, because he's been a part of every bit of it. But for Laura and me, this has been such a gift to um, be with one another and for me to let me say one, tell one more quick story about Laura that is just one of my favorites so <laughs> she graduates from college Oops. and of course she's smart and does all these good things and but then it was like what next and, and and she's the only person I've seen do this or heard doing this so when she was trying to think about how God was calling her what was the next step she sent out um, a letter to I don't know how many of her friends, but I know that Bob and Janice got oh one, um, and inviting us to 
it's um, dream dreams with her. What would she, where would she go? What would the next be? You know, where would it be? And Bob Huey, oh yeah, I remember it. And, and Bob Huey writes back this beautiful letter in which he said, you ought to be a missionary, Laura. And there was, there was some kind of arrangement already kind of percolating along with the general board, what was Mm -hmm. then the general board of global ministries. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and how many years did you spend? Beginning? Yeah, so I, I mean, <laughs> it ended up being five years total as a as a missionary in, in, in Latin America and then on the border in Tucson, in Arizona. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm forgetting that discernment letter piece. I mean, I was, <laughs> no, I took the foreign service exam. I, I went, I got accepted to Berkeley Law School. I, I did all, and then didn't do any of that, you know. <laughs> Um, but no. yeah, that's, that's really interesting. That's, yeah, Bob and I hadn't forgotten. We hadn't forgotten. We both talked about it yesterday. Well, you can I love claim that, credit for that. Then. Yeah. This friendship yeah. that is so, so deep and rich has all these roots, all these, as, as you've said, Janice, these layers of, of history and connectedness and, and I, you know, that often happens in the church, but, but how beautiful to see this unfold and, and to know that, mm-hmm. you know, since then you've um, many times called on each other or, you know, sh- shared a meal or, you know, cried on each other Absolutely. or, you know, all the things that happen in, in the midst of ministry. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, Laura, you and I met actually through a TMF mm-hmm. thing. Right, yeah, we were both right. invited to this overnight kind of stewardship thing. Stewardship, yes, yes. Really, in the way early days of leadership ministry, and and <clears throat> you've heard me say this, but but for a long time, you know, I've called you my camp friend, yeah. right? Because right, because right. you know what happens at mm-hmm. camp, like you tell like these deep, intimate secrets and struggles and whatever, because you're not going to see them again, or maybe you're going to see them right. again next Go summer, deep, but quick. Right, you go deep quick, mm-hmm. and, and we did. But what that did for us was, I think what has happened is every time we're together, we go deep quick. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so well. it's not that we talk every week, and it's not, but uh, mm-hmm. there might be a text or a call or, um, you know, you're coming through Dallas and you spend the night, or we even vacation mm-hmm. together in a little pod in, during the pandemic. Yes. And, yes. But yes. it has always felt like our our friendship skipped way over the dating period straight to um, <laughs> the, the real um, intimacy of depth. And, um, and that's been such a gift to me um, as we've gone through mm-hmm. things personally, but also professionally. It's been absolutely. A, and I, yeah. and I, I think there was in, in part, it, it really wasn't, didn't have anything to do with the event itself, although the event was, you know, great and all that, but it was really right. kind of in some ways, mm-hmm this or at least in my from my perspective and i i think this is what resonated at least from where i sat was both coming from a place of need in some common ways and um living some similar experiences that you wouldn't have necessarily been able to perceive from the surface my hair was was very short growing back in from cancer treatment and um you know you had of course a dear friend who was in the midst of of that and yeah, and so that connected. There were, you know, questions about home, home things, and personal lives, and and um, it was just this kind of resonance that 
It happened very quickly and I think allowed us, and you know, going deep means in part going vulnerable. And it was about Mm -hmm. not just, you know, sharing the mysteries of the universe, but it was like talking about our own stuff um, that uh, was remarkable, really, how that worked. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's one of those friendships that I've always felt like the spirit brought us together and has been very present in the midst. There's never been a time that I have been with you that I didn't feel like there was absolute Holy Spirit presence. Mm. Um, and mm. it, it feels like that kind of friendship to me. And mm. Well, I feel that way too. I, I would, I've, I've not thought of those words, but that thank you for articulating that. Yeah, 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 I agree. Yeah, and and Janice, uh, you know, we've had this amazing opportunity to work together yeah. at at TMF. So TMF again is is part of that. But yeah. but I go, I go way back to uh, you know, not unlike Laura, where we begin to see ourselves in someone who is a leader and a model. And I remember right when you were either about to be elected or just elected and we had a jurisdictional gathering and you've heard me say this Janice but mm-hmm. but you said and you said I don't remember that but I remember it <laughs> you were giving sort of wisdom and encouragement to a room full of clergy women and saying one wear bright the guys are going to be dressed in dark wear bright <laughs> and and I I've always remember that and two you said find a way to say yes and that wow. those words oh have resonated with me mm. always. I, I feel like they yeah, have been a part of how I understand what it is to be a leader in the church is to have a yes spirit. And so that has been this amazing gift. And then to get to work together and to find that we're, again, you know, breaking bread or sharing a glass of wine or worshiping together or planning out a and dreaming for the sake of clergy in the church. And, and it has been like just the, such a great gift in my life to be able to be on this path and journey of imagination and discovery for the sake of the church. And to get to do that with you is oh, amazing. Such a gift. Yeah. Well, I mean, thank you for that. But but let me just say, you know, what that means to me to see the two of you and others, um, move, you know, following the Spirit's call into ministry, that's like the greatest gift of all. And it makes the hard times kind of recede into the corners, which that's where they belong. And the grace of God and the beauty and the love and the kindness and the grace, it, it, all, it all just gets expanded by the grace of God. So anyway, a blessing that's friendships make things grow. So yeah. here we are. So I'd love for us to spend a little bit of time in this notion of holy friendship. And, you know, uh, most of our listeners are clergy, lay leaders in the church. They're, They're pouring out for the church all the time. And we've experienced how amazing and really beneficial it is for us to have these holy, truly holy friendships. So what would you say to others about um, how to cultivate 
these holy friendships. Mm-hmm. And, and let me say, in their own lives, but also even in their in their congregations. Like, I mean, we can kind of go at it from both places. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I'm an extrovert by nature. And now that takes on a different, <laughs> different <laughs> flavor in the church, I think. Um, and sometimes mm-hmm. church is not always that same kind of cycle of energy uh, that feeds. Sometimes it can really, you know, mm-hmm. tiring people out. But, but I, for me, it, it feels to me like friendships, wherever they are, uh, both within my work and within the context even of the pastoral relationship where there is a power power relationship that we have mm-hmm. to be aware of, that even so, I think one, one hallmark is my need for joy mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. this, this need to be where the party is going to be. And mm-hmm. the party always involves other people and those folk who are confident in themselves and that they're sharing the joy, like that just, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't still be here if it weren't for those people. And, um, and so I, I'm just going to try to go where the party is or bring the party to me. That's one thing. And, and, and the other is this, this theme of vulnerability. I mean, there's certain vulnerability you can do in the church setting with your people. And there's certain, you know, that probably doesn't belong there. And so I think it's Matt Bloom and some others, you know, some of TMF's work have just talked about, boy, it is toxic to not be able to tell the truth. If you don't have somebody to tell the truth with about yourself, it is going to be a hard road and you're, you could end up hurting somebody else actually. And so that uh, gift as, as painful as it can be is it just keeps me alive. It keeps me alive. And so some of my friends probably are like, yeah, I'm, I'm about, I'm about done with you calling me with all your whatever, you know, but I mean, (laughs) no way, but that's what, I mean, yeah, that somebody who has seen you and and yeah. is able to normalize or able to give you a different way to look at it or whatever it is, right? Or just bless you in the middle of it. Like, that's just life-saving for me. Um, yeah. And so I don't know, cultivate. I just I just do it because I have to have it. <laughs> yeah. so, I don't know. I mean, many of the things that Laura's saying um, are true for me, except she, she's the extrovert and I'm the introvert in this in this friendship. Um, and it's been that way for a long time. So I would mm-hmm. talk about some of those things using the language of trust, that friendship mm-hmm. at, at its deepest level where that, you know, that I am both fed and can feed um, has to do with the quality of trust between two people or three people or five people or whatever. It's uh, never, never a big group. I mean, my most intimate things are going to be shared with, you know, three, four, but not, you know, not, not with huge crowds, but how someone that um, I can trust to tell me the truth about myself, to be, be real clear with me, someone that can hold me up if I'm crashing, somebody that'll tell me, talk to me before I step on an edge. And by the same token that I'm willing to be in a relationship with them, that the trust is so deep from so, whether it's a short time or a long time, that, um, that I can say to them, just as they could say to me, um, look, let's just tell the truth about what's going on here. Um, and that that gives the energy, the vitality, and a sense of 
I think, you know, for me, it's being held. It's, it's, um, I remember after David's death, I took a couple of my clergy women friends and we talked about it. And I said, I don't think I'm going to make it here. So I need you to tell me when, I mean, I'm the district superintendent in this district. I got a lot of people counting on me. I don't think I can do this, but I want you to tell me if I start falling off an edge and screwing up with these people that I'm responsible for, you've got to tell me and, and promise me. You'll, you know, those are kinds mm-hmm. of things. They, they they don't go out and go away after that's over. Those are relationships that um, that are going to be a, a part of your life from this time forward, and you hope for theirs too. And that's where I think, I mean, we can trace these threads. This moment that you gave Janice about, um, you, you know, this deep loss in your life, and and these friends who held you and. Um, you know, this notion of trust and vulnerability and and such, these are, it, it feels in those moments like there's more happening there than what we brought to the table, right? right. That there's something mm-hmm. happening between mm-hmm. us that is very kind of Holy Spirit, God is in the midst of this. It, it is beyond what I can muster, you know? <laughs> there's something that is... Right is weaving us together and, and, and holding us together, which is why I, I feel so like the church has such an important role to play in mm-hmm. friendships, that this is not something mm-hmm. that's relegated to the schoolyard or the, the kitchen table. It's, it actually happens in all those places, but the church actually has a role. And so I, I want to I want to invite us into this conversation, we who are leaders in the midst of the church, right, to thinking about the role that the church plays in creating space for holy friendship. And and, and this is the way I want to do this. Um, in our conversation with Victoria White, who wrote this book on, on holy friendships, she talks about how society has actually kind of commodified friendships, you know, think about mm-hmm. likes and all of this, right? You're kind of Anyway, you get the idea here. Um, so that if you take that as one end of the spectrum and the other end of the spectrum is Jesus who, you know, chose to befriend this ragtag group of people <laughs> that that were his holy, intimate companions along the journey, right? Um, so if we take that as the spectrum, I, I guess I want to say, where would you say the church is from kind of commodifying friendship to this these Jesus's model of sacred friendships where is the church in that and then let's let's kind of peel that back and, and play with that a little bit hmm. I'm inviting question. us to a little excavation yeah. and truth telling because we yeah. deeply yeah. love the church we are all in with the church yeah. and we want to be honest about you know where we are you know, I, I make my way to, to answers to this kind of thing by talking, so who knows yeah. where this will go. But I mean, the things that pop into my mind as you describe that are are the ways in which so many people feel they can't bring their full selves to church. Mm-hmm. That, you know, if they're lucky, the pastor says something in the pastoral prayer or in the sermon that speaks to their private secret mm-hmm. that they can't tell and that God forbid that they leave on the surface when they come to church. That's that's kind of one end of it. Um, another end, the other thing that came to my mind was was the kind of more relaxed spaces where 
the Sunday school class is in the, is in the backyard, you know, watching their kids play around as they barbecue, you know, a, a, a more real relationship or even the way the church is allowing now and in, in, in creating new kinds of spaces, whether it's a pub theology or mm-hmm. a place where people can gather and, and be real from the get-go and, and have all of that sort of pretentious or, or that, that, that assumption that you have to be somebody other than you are, that you can bring it all and bring all the questions and all the doubts and push back and all those things. You know, those spaces I think are, are precious. And I think, I think we're getting better at making those, um, at, 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 at finding those and, and creating them. Those are just the first two things that come to mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and as I, as I think about this too, I, I think we've not um, in, in where we was sort of where we've come to the, you know, being together, friendships, forming friendships, they've been just a byproduct of the other things that have gone on in church. Mm-hmm. And so it's the byproduct of Sunday school or, you know, whatever. What it, what we haven't and what we need to learn how to do much better in those friendships is, you know, Matt Russell's talk about improbable friendships. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, yeah. so... You know, we all badly need how to how to create um, more spaces for improbable friendships, and 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 then how to be open to those improbable friendships coming toward us. I mean, to me, that's it. it it's got to be much more intentional than in the future than it has been in the past and we've got a we are beginning to have some support from within the culture which i think has not been there for a long time in the sense that this loneliness epidemic which has got so many um negative outcomes that people if there's a way for the bridge to get built the the church with some intentional work on its part, can that some that some good and new things uh, can happen? You know, I I think about you know just this week. It's been when it's been so hot in Texas, and y'all are we've been that way too. This mm-hmm. county, which has only got about twenty five thousand, well, in the in the town, it's got about fifteen thousand. There were two deaths this week. Um, from um, the overheating, and Gosh. you know, there these were older people, um, and uh, and so you say. I mean, we got a ton of churches in this town. I can and there's a whole bunch of denominations and every other thing, but somehow there wasn't a connection, enough human connection, for them to feel like they could reach out and say, hey, you know, we need a fan or an air conditioner or something, or for somebody in one of those churches to know this person, these two older people well enough to know that they were likely to be in trouble and um, somebody needed to check on them. So the opportunity for new forms of friendship, opportunities for friendship, I think are enormous and important and life and death. And isn't that what the church is about? It's really beyond what happens in the building and on Sunday. It's really about how we're connected as human beings. 
And right. yeah, sorry, Laura, you were going to say something. No, no, no. I, I was just going to kind of um, build on that. And, and, and the other, you know, person who I've met thanks to TMF is, is Diamon Hargis and his, mm-hmm. his um, statement that, you know, God intends, uh, or, or I don't know that he says God intends it, but that, that his work is to bring people together for mutual delight. I mean, that, and that social capital is the most valuable capital there is and that, mm-hmm. that people are just waiting to fall in love with each other. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. I just, yes. I, I love that so say much. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, yeah. I love that so much. And I, because it is how I feel. Yeah. It, it, like I said, I, I mean, we're all different, but that stuff keeps me alive. It keeps me going and, and finding those people. And so what does it mean to not just turn to the person who, you know, I may be acquainted with, but who are the other folk, right? Where, and that, that's the way of, of looking beyond. And it's not just looking beyond in order to take a bag of food over there, but it, looking beyond in order to actually, you know, have a, a friendship that, that, that grants me something and, and mutually so, right? Yeah. Um, from both directions. Yeah. Yeah. This mutual it's, peace it's very is really hopeful. And it yeah. is hopeful. It is. It is. Mm-hmm. I know we could talk all day about the direction of the church and the hope for the church and and the the real um, the place of the church in this larger culture and the, and the the role we desire and hope and want to be a part of making happen. And um, but I'm, I'm but I'm going to shift us a little bit and just um, to say, okay, all three of us are in. Yeah, let's just call them significant leadership roles. And I'm I'm curious if if there there has been an uh, a shift, or if you've observed any shift in your friendship friendships, and 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 maybe even you know then your own need for or how that has changed or. I don't know. I, I don't want to be too directive about how this conversation is uh, or goes, but but curious about this the leadership role you have been in, are in, and how and how friendship plays a part. I'll let Bishop Huey go first. I feel like I'll let answer first. <laughs> Just fine. Well, I'm. Speaking for myself, I felt like I needed friends more than ever um, in in the role of episcopacy, and partly because my learning curve was straight up, um, and it it stayed straight up until I retired. I mean, in that sense, I mean, but what I mean by that is that because because the change that is happening in the culture and in the church is happening so fast, it was like. You know, I'd get something learned, and then by golly, there'd be it'd be changed. And so, people who loved me and were willing to, uh, you know, um, tell me the truth about what I was doing right and what was wrong, or what I should be thinking about and what I didn't, and people who prayed for me um, on um, a, you know a regular basis, I needed that more. I think, you know, being a pastor at the point at which or a district superintendent, that was more containable. Um, so I didn't, I didn't find myself fretting so much as I did um, later on as in as a bishop. And so, yes, I've um, friendships 
at friendships help helped me stay centered going through at the level of change that was happening all around me. So I, I'll just stop there for a while. I hope yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Especially that straight up learning curve. Yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm down. I'm down with yeah. that. Um, I, 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 I think that, and I've heard Bishop say this before. The the experience of being an itinerant pastor is one where you're you're frequently pulling up your tent stakes and going someplace else and developing new relationships and a new pattern of life. And sometimes that really does take you away from friends you've met in the community Mm -hmm. or nearby or whatever is an entirely different thing to pull up stakes and move to a different state. Um, Right. And, and that, that really is different and is different for me in this career and has been obviously, you know, there's grief to that. It, it, it was uh, Bishop Huey who so, uh, gently and helpfully reminded me at one point, she said, if, if you're doing your job right, you're going to hit the pillow so hard every night, you won't have time to have friends or something. I think she said something super pastoral like that, if I remember correctly. Um, I was like, okay, that does not make me feel better. But um, but actually, to some degree, there, there is this bigness of the task that fills a lot of space. And there are wonderful people in the work whom I encounter, um, whether regularly or just, you know, sporadically. And, and, and there is a joy uh, bucket that gets filled for me regularly, even by people who are not maybe ongoing friends. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily, you know, uh, classify people, these people in that way. So that is one way that in this moment, I, I, I do get fed and my spirit is, is, is comforted and, and some of them are very glad to tell me what they believe is the truth about things. And so, you know, whether they, whether I always uh, resonate with the, all they say, you know, so that's been interesting. Um, at the same time, this is where the cultivation of the friendship, which is used to be easier and used to be part of the pattern of my life. This is where cultivation comes in. I do have to be more intentional and ask for what I need and, and, and pick up the phone and um, and ask for the Zoom call or whatever. Um, and so that I, I'm 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 imagining that will morph over time. It'll change, you know. Um, I'm still I'm just now six months out from having. In fact, right. to, two days from now, it's you know six months since my truck unloaded, kind of thing. And <laughs> so uh, it's going to be a, a process and a developmental one, but. I have had to be more intentional about people who know me outside this role and, and being in, con- in connection with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, taking joy from the places I can within the work. And then I'm also trusting that there will be friendships outside my work in this place. It just takes a lot longer to develop those. I, I don't have lots of hobby time. Um, and so <laughs> right. those will come and I'm just trying to, trying to keep my eyes open and, and uh, my willingness open. But, you know, so far my social needs are mostly met. <laughs> yeah. I, it, it's interesting to think about ways that we cultivate friendships and new friendships, especially at this stage in our 
lives, our respective mm-hmm. lives, and, and what that looks like when you're super busy. And as you said, making time to pick up the phone or text those that you know, know you outside of the role and still call you Laura and, um, and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, uh, I've been, you all know, we've talked about it so much, but, um, been a part of a covenant group for 25 years. And I know, um, Janice, you, you have too been a part of a covenant group of, of clergy women right. all for decades. And, and, uh, and, and I feel like in every moment they're with me. I mean, that's the intensity mm-hmm. of our sort of holy connection is that whenever I'm, you know, in a stressful moment, standing in front of a group of people, a board meeting or, or uh, speaking or w- whatever it might be, I know I have this sense that I'm not alone. There's this embodied presence of the holy that's with me in these holy friendships that... Um, it doesn't matter that they're not in the room or in the audience. Literally, they're they're sort of always with me. And um, there's something about these connections the three of us have, and and other friendships too, that feel mm-hmm. very present. That I think, for me at least, has been life giving. Um, they keep me honest, and um, but also bold, courageous. Like I am more mm-hmm. courageous because I have these friends and. Mm-hmm. encourager mm-hmm. I think yeah. and, and I you know I don't know why I don't have that kind of group but I don't now I, I have friendships from different stages in my life and there is a group of, of college friends that's you know particularly um, close and but but whoever they are I, I, I do have the sense that especially when things are hard that they kind I can even see them sort of holding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. you said that earlier, holding you, holding who I am. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's that whatever the window is with the four parts and the, the part that that you know and others don't see and the part that others see that you don't see, you know, and all of that. Like, they have a, they have a read on me that I don't even have. Mm-hmm. Um, these people have known me so long that they know mm-hmm. all the way around the block, yeah. you know, well, well there she <laughs> right. goes again. And so... That is that is a great and precious gift in the world, um, right. and just to know that there are folk out there who know that um, and and hold that, and I hold it for them. Um, yeah. That is a precious, precious thing. And I stand a little taller because of it, and I'm, right. you know, more brave in my leadership, and I and and I think hold me accountable to being truer to myself too. So I know we could talk all afternoon and would love that, but I'm going to ask a final question. This is the question that we're asking all of our guests. And really, we've we've touched on this all throughout our conversation. So it's a bit of a softball. So complete the sentence, <laughs> you know you're in a holy friendship when? Well, I'll jump in here and, and say just the, the line that came to me um, quickly when I saw that question or sentence completion um, is um, Galatians 5. Thinking about it, it's a time and a space um, and a relationship in which love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, gentleness, mm-hmm. all those are expanded and make us a more whole. It's um, it's when when 
when the fruit of the spirit is enlarged, then um, I think that we are there in terms of a sanctified friendship. Mm. Well, that's that's a much more uh, just. A I know. I wish she'd gone ro- last. Ro- what do you think, Laura? Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a robust way of. of I love it. Uh, oh, sorry. And a more complete. No, so no, no, no. It's perfect. It's perfect. It like is. a. a, a more complete way of saying that I, I, and one of you said this earlier in this conversation, what comes to me is that I'm in a holy friendship when I have both the desire and the energy and the willingness to be better, Mm -hmm. to be my best, truest self that I want to, and I feel empowered to do so by, by that relationship. Yeah. Um, well yeah. said. You know, well said. Well, yeah, beautiful. In the, so, so I. Uh, what about you, Lisa? Right. I. <laughs> um, uh, again, I wish I'd started and let y'all finish out, but I, um, I, I really do think about holy friendships are those that um, help me to be my best self, right? And that, mm-hmm. and I've said this earlier, but where I feel like there's something more at work than what I bring. Mm-hmm. There's something more at yep. work, and and I know that that's the holy, and um, right. I'm so grateful for it. I am grateful right. for each of you in my life. Uh, you, and we love you. We love we you. Love you too. Love, love you too. To y'all as Thank well. Thank you. Thank you for being grateful here with for me. this conversation. Me too. Igniting Imagination is a production of the Leadership Ministry Team at Wesleyan Impact Partners with excellent editing support from Truthwork Media. Follow us on social media at Wesleyan Impact Partners. Visit our website at ignitingimagination.org and share our episodes with friends and colleagues. Our hope is that these conversations can spark imagination in your context. I'm Blair Thompson. On behalf of all of us at Wesleyan Impact Partners, thanks for listening.